What's going on people and welcome to the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. The aim of our podcast is to show you how anyone can start a business, find their dream job or develop a revenue stream in the emerging blockchain industry. Most if not all of our guests started with just an idea, a few hundred dollars and a Twitter account. Before we meet today's guest, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you in assistance with our sponsors, Crypto.com and Crypto Jobs Daily. Crypto.com is a well-established platform and their mobile app offers the following features. A built-in exchange that lets you buy and sell seven fiat and over 50 cryptocurrencies. A tiered debit card that allows users to earn crypto cashback and so much more, including their free for free promotion. Our second sponsor is Crypto Jobs Daily, the number one place to find work in the blockchain industry. Users can connect with companies hiring in a few clicks and find their dream job today. For more information about both projects, you can click on the link in the description below. Today we're joined by Charles Reed, the founder and CEO at Rarestone. Charles gives his insights into the emerging NFT market and his experience in building his company Rarestone. So let's go ahead and speak with Charles. Yo, what's going on people and welcome back to the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. Today I'm joined by Charles, his second time on the show. Welcome back Charles, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to be back, mate. Always love chatting with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so we might as well jump straight in. One of the, the, the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast, the last time we spoke, we spoke about the DeFi market and the emergence of that, and it was really hot back in the summer. I noticed your article on, on Hacker Noon the other day about NFTs, so we really kind of wanted to get you on to talk about the NFT market, how you're feeling about it, and kind of like, what's your what's your predictions for the future in, in this space? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, NFTs is a very broad subject and um, I think recently it's kind of been uh, diluted to people just think NFT equals artwork, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Due to the emergence of platforms like Rarible, where basically anyone in the world can just mint a piece of artwork as an NFT. Um, And that kind of dilutes the whole purpose because NFTs, there's there's a whole other, you know, element to them it's not just about artwork but the non-fungible aspect um of 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 these tokens basically means that you know they um they can't be free they're not freely traded and exchanged they can't be um you know used like normal tokens and they are attached to something but also you can code really interesting things into nfts so you know like insurance cover for example uh nexus mutual is, uh, uses the same concept of uh, this ERC token standard. So, I mean, ERC um, NFTs have, have been around a long time, and uh, I think now they're just starting to have their breakthrough. But in kind of 2018, we saw some NFT protocols emerge, which were really interesting. Mm-hmm. The first one I was kind of affiliated with and, and, and paid attention to was 
called Codex Protocol. Um, and Codex Protocol is really interesting because effectively it was built by a really smart lady called uh, Jess Holgrave. She, she was an artist. Um, she studied art at, at university. And, um, and then she, you know, was, was pretty deep in the blockchain space. And she realized that using non-fungibles, you could actually um, track provenance. And provenance in the art collections is really important because it tells you all the history yeah. of the owners um, and, and that it really, it, it really allows you to effectively verify and trace, you know, uh, ownership and, and authenticity, most importantly. So, you know, lots of artwork is sold at auction that's fake. It happens all the time, even at, you know, the big auctions um, like Sotheby's and, and Christie's. There's, there's a real big problem with fake art. And what Codex would allow you to do is register that piece of artwork on chain and then, um, you know, effectively that would be on chain and, and there would be um, an NFT that would, um, you know, you would own, when you own that piece of artwork, you would also own the NFT. And when you complete that trade, whether that's through, you know, a web-based auction platform or a physical auction, the ownership would also be transferred and all the contract data, the physical contract data, would also be stored in that token. So NFTs, you know, they're not just it's not just about digital artwork, um, but about you know provenance tracking um, and tracing kind of ownership and and uh, authenticity of assets, which that's kind of what I was initially interested in. So it's nice to see the space has kind of matured a bit, but then you've just you know, I mean, like with all these trends, um, the same kind of thing happened with DeFi, right? Is with DeFi, anyone can just make. Uh, a governance token that mm -hmm. they can print. They do ten thousand percent APY, <laughs> and then they just dump it into the into the earth. And it's the it's the same with uh, with NFTs, right? Someone who isn't an artist, you know, like Bitboy, for example, can just make some NFTs and sell them for profit. Uh, I mean, there's nothing artistic about what they're doing. They're just leveraging their community. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the same as selling you know, merch, but it kind of takes away from the point of yes. what, what NFTs are. So yeah, a bit of a rant, but, um, that's, you know, high level of, of, you know, what I think about NFTs, especially, um, since kind of my entrance into the space. I think that's really interesting. And a couple of points I wanted to touch on there talked about, you know, the, the, the initial use case and kind of how these things develop It's very much like crypto in itself. You, know, you had Bitcoin, a few other coins came out, copied it, and then eventually as the industry matured, you had a lot more coins having a use case. And I kind of see the same with NFTs. And, you know, another thing I wanted to touch on about verifying ownership of things. So people are talking about NFTs as potentially collectibles, but also the ability to verify, like you mentioned, the, the, the provenance, the, the ability to verify ownership. It's very interesting right now because Pokemon's something that's very on trend. In the real world, yeah. they're very collectible. The work they're getting worth quite a lot. And yet, in just yesterday, there was a there was a podcast or there was a live stream with a buyer of a Pokemon first edition box, alleged first edition box. They opened it on a live stream, and then it turned out to be a fake. And one of the things we were talking about on there, there was no real way to verify the ownership of that item and the the chain of you know the chain of ownership. So. I think um, as NFTs mature, I can really see them being put in, you know, in a similar use case. What do you think? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's there's a tricky kind of counter argument to that, right? Because it's like, okay, even if there's an NFT that says this is real, it could still not be. Yeah. Where where that where that uh, comes into play, right, is is um, processes that people follow. So this works in the case of an auction because you know, from the point that that's registered on chain, mm-hmm. that's verified as authentic, right for sale, all the history's there. But if you're, um, you know, if it's just me saying to you, oh, I've got an NFT that proves this is real, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean anything. So, um, yeah, there's there, there's a lot of counter arguments. And, and that, you know, is a completely fair one. It's about what, what you know, what's the exciting part is about um, the ability we're going to have to actually build new systems, which from the first instance, physical and digital goods will have, um, you know, will be registered on chain. Now, there's always human mistake, human element um, that we have to account for, but that's just part of the process, right? It's still a better uh, solution than what we use now. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's just so many other use cases, like, you know, verifying ownership. I mean, if you think of the process of when you, you know, you buy a house, you sign mm-hmm. up for a, for a tenancy when you're renting somewhere, so much paperwork involved. And it still doesn't really mean anything if that actual physical paperwork's lost or it can be faked, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see the use case of this. One of, one of the things I really like about NFTs that I don't really think that anyone's talking about right now is the ability to maybe give shares in a company. So, so many blockchain projects launch and they either go down one of two roads, which is one, they do a token sale. The token doesn't really represent any equity in the company, but that that funds raised from that token sale are basically the bootstrap funds. So the investors are kind of left hanging dry based on a token. Or alternatively, you get your seed investment where potentially only a handful of big players can really you know, put their capital into a company. So it really cuts out the little guy. So, so what do you think about this maybe as a use case for NFTs kind of over the next couple of years in blockchain, giving access for investors to get shares in companies and for companies to raise funds via selling shares as NFTs? Yeah, I mean, that's a bit tricky, right? Because um, the, the I think that more so uh, would be suitable with... There's lots of ways you could do it, right? So, you know, it's kind of the same as having a profit share token, mm-hmm. like a, a security token. Um, and that's that's a little bit that's a little bit different. I mean, these non-fundable tokens, um, their their value is usually dictated on a secondary market, not on you know the Ethereum network. So um, you know, if I go to EtherScan and I look under NFTs, because they're ERC seven twenty one, they don't have a dollar value, uh, whereas any token on Ethereum will. Um, but if I go to OpenSea which is, you know, uh, a marketplace for NFTs, then I can clearly see, oh, this is, uh, you know, worth this much. Um, So it's an interesting concept. I think it applies less to NFTs. I mean, you you can sell, I suppose, you know, NFTs, um, and then once these people have them, you can kind of distribute things to them. But I think you can do that with lots of different token standards. and uh, yeah, I think probably security tokens is is better for you know profit sharing things, and that's also is a is a regulatory concern. Yeah. 
as with all these things, right? Um, and it's, it, it, yeah, I think we're still in this really early stage with, with the RC uh, 721s and, and 1155s um, of, you know, that there's so much that hasn't been explored yet. And, you know, just to go back to kind of collectibles, I think collectibles on chain like CryptoKitties, you know, was kind of the first one. I wrote a piece about this this week. Um, then we had Zed Run, which is a horse uh, racing mm-hmm. game, which is really interesting. You know, you can breed breed the horses and get these rare coats and different colours of, of coats, and then you can race them for a prize pool. And I think in the immediate future, this is what we're going to see um, as, you know, the most obvious use cases, because what we're seeing is convergence of different technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing, you know, obviously DLT and NFTs converge with VR and AR. And I think that's a really interesting point because things like Pokemon Go would be way, way, way more exciting if you could trade your Pokemon and they were NFTs and they had a secondary market value. Because now what you can do is you can buy and sell Pokemon cards on a blockchain inside a virtual reality game and you know your Charizard's going to be worth however much the secondary market Mm -hmm. says so that's that's where I see the most obvious um, use cases here um, you know in in the in the immediate future fantastic I mean leads me nicely onto the next question so we're talking about the the recent article you put together you mentioned in there that you you're an advisor to the Terra Virtua project do you want to tell us a little bit about what those guys are building and what your role is there yeah, yeah, sure. Good question. Terra Virtua is uh, is really interesting. I'm going to talk about this convergence of um, you know technologies that I've kind of been looking at for the past few years, whether it's VR and AR or blockchain, and 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 then you know the emergence of these non fungible tokens. And I think Terra Virtua is interesting because it's an ecosystem for all of them. Um, it's uh, a platform for creators and licensed brands. So, you know, they've got partnerships with like Paramount, for example. Um, They've got like Lost in Space from Netflix, the Netflix show. And they've got licensed digital collectibles. Um, And digital collectibles is not this new phenomenon, right? People have been trying to do this for a long time. Um, And it's it's worked, but never really worked that well. Um, And I think it's because it lacked this whole ecosystem component. Mm And what we see with this current ecosystem is with Terra Virtua is is made up of, you know, lots of niche areas that kind of fits for everyone. So if you're, I mean, I don't know for the listeners, but like if you're like a proper film fan or a comic book fan, you go to Comic-Con or you go to like, you know, um, you go and stand in a, in a huge hall and there's loads of people sat down signing comics or signing uh, movie posters and, I feel like that, you know, that will always have its place in the world. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as we move more digital, there'll be opportunity for that to be done in a in a very um, there'll be an industry standard for that. You know, right now there's not, and people are like, "Oh, digital collectibles," but what do I do with them? Well, we're building them industry standards. We're building them places where you go to collect and share and show off. You know, and and something I talk about quite often is the emergence of this open metaverse where, you know, we go and we share uh, in digital spaces. So, like, whether that's in Fortnite where you share your skins or in 
Animal Crossing or even, you know, like if you're playing a VR, AR game, basically anywhere on the internet that you go that is like a web space where you can kind of move around and replicate some humanistic elements. So, yeah, Terra Virtua, what I like about it is it has these niche areas. It has like a fan cave, which looks like your house. So you can go in and you can like, you know, decorate your walls with all your artwork. And then like the TV's playing Top Gun, like when I logged in. Um, and it just feels very polished. It feels high definition. Um, but then, you know, like you can't put your spaceship in your house if you collected a spaceship right from lost in space so they've got this thing called the pterodome which is more like an exhibition center and now right now you can go to your exhibition center and you can look at your spaceship and move it around and stuff um but the beauty of this is as this builds out it's in a public beta now but as it builds out you'll be able to actually invite your friends to come and look at your collectibles mm -hmm. and that's that's what people want to do yeah. and that's what i think most digital collectible platforms before have not really nailed so that that's what i'm excited about there's there's lots of areas that, that funnels people into um you know based on the type of collector they are that they are it's, it sounds very exciting i mean we'll leave all the links um in the description below for terra virtue for anyone who's interested in checking it out um as someone who knows you um you, you're very experienced in this space you've worked with a lot of projects for anyone listening out there who wants to build a project or find work in the NFT space, what sort of advice would you give them? Like, what sort of trends do you see coming up? A yeah, good question. I think right now, you know, we've got this. One thing I always urge caution of is what's flavor of the month? Mm -hmm. It was DeFi. Now, most DeFi projects have retraced 90%. Um, I don't think we've had a D or an NFT-led bull run yet, but I think these market cycles we're seeing, they play out much quicker. The DeFi bull market was probably 60 days. Um, <laughs> we've had like 80 or 90% pullbacks from the majority of the big DeFi projects that, that raised. So don't like... It's the same as aping into a coin, right? Yeah. When you see someone call it on Twitter, don't ape into, I want to learn about DeFi or I want to learn about NFTs because that's going to make me money because it's not. But learning about these concepts at a high level mm -hmm. um, and then waiting for, you know, these will play out multiple market cycles. Mm -hmm. I've been sat on NFT investments for two years <laughs> and they've done nothing but go down for two years. Even... You know, even worse than you can imagine. Um, and, it, you know, now now we're only just seeing that small surgence and we're not quite there yet. You know, that's why I like Terra Virtual because it's, um, it's an ecosystem. It, it's trying to build an industry standard for collecting and, and displaying in a very secure way. So, you know, I, I think if people are interested in kind of building a career in NFTs, it depends what for, mm -hmm. right? I would definitely uh, encourage people to go and read about what ERC-721s are and ERC-1155s because it's very interesting. And then, you know, if you want to double down on NFTs, I would look at things like uh, their application in insurance, mm -hmm. Uh, their application in art, their application in uh, in tracking and traceability. So yeah, it's um, it's all about kind of learning uh, across multiple verticals because NFTs and DeFi go together quite nicely as well. 
I mean, Nexus Mutual, I've mentioned it three times already. <laughs> um, but that's a DeFi project that leverages NFTs. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, if people are interested, just, just go and read about these token standards. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if artists are interested, that's what I'd really love to see more artists get involved. Um, minting limited, um, you know, limited stacks of their work and just kind of just experimenting because that's how you bring people in. And I can tell, I can't give too much away here, but like some of the projects that I have exposure to are working with like some of the top music music artists in the world and they're creating NFTs. So, you know, they're working with big designers and then they're creating visual and audio NFTs and these are massive, massive artists, massive record labels. They're looking at NFTs. So there's definitely a lot of upside there. And it's just about understanding why you want to get involved rather than I want to get involved because it's the flavor of the month. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I think if you're able to, to learn about something and combine a couple of industries together, like you said, DeFi and NFT are an excellent fit. You're able mm -hmm. to find your niche and just concentrate on that. You know, inevitably you'll, you'll find a space that, that kind of really fits with your skills um exactly we, we touched a little bit about there on the, the projects that you work with and as i mentioned before you're very experienced in this space um i know you so i kind of know kind of what your your skills are but for anyone out there do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're building at the moment your rest on capital how that's coming along and how anyone can find out more information if they want to get in touch yeah yeah absolutely so um you know, for for the I mean, the bear market was hard on everyone, right? <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I just kept my head down. I was writing a lot, reading a lot, um, just trying to understand the space better. Um, so I really doubled down on just learning, and I, I did a lot of research on stable coins and things like that. I think we spoke about that last time I was on. Um, and this year, a lot of that kind of thinking that I'd done through the bear market was actually a focus it was around things like DeFi and NFTs and um, decentralized commerce and some of these trends which haven't actually hit peak yet I mean the, the DEX market I've been screaming for the DEX market to boom for years I mean me and you even talked about going into uh, to buy in a, a DEX a DEX aggregator uh, at the start of the year mm -hmm. now if we'd have done that we would have gone very well <laughs> But, you know, the thing is, um, we were ahead of the curve there. You know, I saw that DeFi was going to be big. We, I always knew it was written in stone that DEX market was going to explode. Mm -hmm. um, Uniswap, you couldn't, you know, you could have foreseen success there, but not the success we had. Mm -hmm. I mean, we took over Coinbase for volume, which is incredible. Um, but you could always see that the DEX market was going to be like phenomenal and it would outpace the centralized exchange market eventually so what we what that meant this year when the market picked up was that we were right at the head of at the front of the DeFi trend and we were picking up on all these good projects very early we were making good investments and uh we built a nice war chest and i decided that some people i've been working with for some time i would pull them in and we would effectively build a business um which is now Rarestone Labs. And Rarestone Labs is an accelerator, um, a multi-stage accelerator. We don't really like the term accelerator because we're doing a lot of we're, we're doing a lot of stuff, right? It's not just about taking projects in early and helping them kind of find their feet, but we're taking in late stage projects as well. And we're helping with 
architecture and marketing services. Um, we have a full stack PR agency that works on success basis. Uh, we help build token economic models. Uh, we review code. Um, we, we have good audit partners as well. So we, uh, you know, I pulled some really smart folks in to, to come work with Redstone Labs. Friends of mine who I said, look, you know, uh, we come in here at even footing and we just try and make this work. And then the, the kind of more medium term goal here is to launch Redstone Capital, probably Q2 next year, um, so that we can actually build a very credible uh, crypto VC and invest in some of these things that we've been ahead of the curve in traditionally and we want to remain ahead of the curve. We want more capital to do that with. So that's that That would be part of our thesis is uh, having a pulse on the market and trying to catch these trends early. Um, so yeah, Redstone Labs and Redstone Capital is what I'm working on right now. We are still um, in a building phase working on branding and identity, but that doesn't mean we haven't worked with a lot of very good projects, uh, some of the industry-leading projects. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of coming out and talking about some of the investments we've made and some of the projects we've backed, and we'll, we'll hopefully do that in November. So, yeah, exciting times. Well, definitely, yeah. I mean, I think it's very inspiring as well. You know, as a fellow entrepreneur, one of the things I really admire about you is your ability to network and, you know, take advantage of trends and spot them really early on. So for any companies who are out there who are listening, I definitely recommend getting in touch with Charles. As he mentioned, doesn't matter what stage of growth you're in. These guys can provide a lot of value to your project as you guys grow and provide, you know, um, kind of direction in maybe areas that you're lacking, the relevant expertise. Um, for anyone who's out, out there listening, Charles, I mean, again, you know, we talked about this a few times. I've known you for a while. Um, for anyone out there who wants to, to be full-time in crypto, do you want to give us a breakdown of like what your typical working day or week look like? Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess. I mean, I, I've got a young daughter, which means I'm awake quite often mm. in the night. But, you know, every time I kind of check in Telegram. But yeah. don't get me wrong, I absolutely love what I do. I live and breathe it. And uh, I always say to my team, you know, no one's as good as us. No one's as good as us. Uh, and that's like my thing I say to myself, no one's as good as me. I, no one works as hard. Um, no one works as smart. And it's all about just putting them hours in, but in an intelligent way, right? So follow the right people. Follow the right money. Um, if you just follow everyone on Twitter and you just ape into calls that they make because you think they're profitable, you're not actually learning anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really important that you just try and understand there's so many cool things happening in Web3, right? Not just blockchain, but deep tech in general. And looking at convergence points of where blockchain meets other industries and other areas of deep tech, there's so much alpha there. And I feel like no one's doing that because people find crypto Twitter and they just get stuck in <laughs> and they think, oh, I'm going to be a trader. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, I spoke about this last time when I came on, there's more careers in crypto than just trading. <laughs> and I can guarantee most of them are way more profitable because 99% of you will just, you know, you'll just lose money as a trader. And, um, and yeah, and I think, you know, there's a massive edge in, in having, uh, and working with lots of projects and working with lots of people, building a strong crypto network, because you'll find a lot of free trades yeah. in that information. You know, you'll build a network. People hat tip you all the time. 
oh, I heard a rumour, I heard this, I heard that. I mean, that's just how the game works, you know. It's the same as if you go work at Goldman Sachs, I guarantee, you know, whether they call it inside trading or not, you might get a few whispers and notes under the table, right? So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's definitely something that I think more people should do. I think the number one entry point into the space is, is educational content, mm-hmm. uh, you know, written content, or something everyone always needs is writers, good writers. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff out there for developers to kind of dip their toes in as well. But yeah, like uh, again, looking at them convergence points of crypto, traditional crypto, blockchain, crypto tokens, and other areas of deep tech. And like, I was playing around with Decentraland the other day for this article that I wrote, and I just thought, this is just wild, man. Right. Like, people build this stuff, but then real-world artists have built stuff mm-hmm. and then put it in the game. <laughs> and uh, you can walk around freely and just explore that. And if you own a piece of that game, you own you you really own it. You know, no one can do anything <laughs> with that land. <laughs> it, you, it belongs to you. Um, so like, always look for stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of really interesting things happening um, and it's not all about trading. It's true. And I think in terms of what you mentioned there, in terms of the profitability, I mean, what would be better, you know, for you to get paid to watch crypto? I mean, I can't stress this enough to people like companies will pay you to sit <laughs> and look at stuff that you would do on crypto Twitter anyway. So why not just get paid for it? And also, as you mentioned, the opportunities, I mean, this space is so early on right now, it, you know, as someone who runs a recruitment company and sees tons of jobs for, you know, from platforms, from early startups to established exchanges and big companies, the one thing, the overriding thing that I see that they don't require in applications compared to the traditional world is an, you know, an education, you know, five, ten years of experience of all these certificates. And as you mentioned, you know, educational content costs you nothing. It's yeah. maybe, you know, a few hours work, something that you enjoy doing, right? Something, you know, that you maybe even invested in as a start and you can sure. just get the ball rolling. Um, leads us nicely on to kind of just wrapping up here, Charles. It's been really interesting to hear, like, you know, kind of your views on NFTs, kind of what you're working on right now. Just as we wrap up, like, where do you see the biggest room for growth in crypto over the next couple of years? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, but in every single direction, man, mm-hmm. we are so, I know it's such a meme to say, but we are really so early. Um, and and I I you know I do really say that like hand on heart we we have to be early because if we're not then I'm in a lot of trouble right <laughs> uh, I think we all are but but really we are because you know we're only just now seeing this mainstream acceptance mm-hmm. right so the you know the, the 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 bear market that lasted two years was a little bit easier than the first yeah the first one or the first two you know. I, I mean, I wasn't around that long. Who am I kidding? But I know that it was easier because there was more of a mainstream acceptance yes. of this is kind of here to stay. Now, PayPal offering, you know, I kind of brushed over this on Twitter. I feel a bit stupid for it now because it is a big thing. But, you know, crypto, uh, PayPal offering custodial crypto services. Okay, that to me isn't that impressive. But in the grand scheme of things, what it does is it sends shockwaves through the world of you know mainstream acceptance and it will mean that most banks will have to take this seriously and it was just this week that dbs one of the largest banks in southeast asia um 
just said that they're rolling out crypto services. So, yeah, I mean, you know, which direction? Well, whatever direction you want, you know, like you can come into this space as, a, you know, a writer, an artist, um, you know, an economist, uh, someone with financial expertise. You could be a developer, uh, literally anything. There is there's room for scale in every direction. And I think that's important for people to realize that um, it's quite easy to get boxed into, but definitely recommend reading um, as much as you can from some of the thought leaders, not just the trading thought leaders, mm -hmm. but uh, some of the big thinkers and, and some, of, some of the people who um, are, are looking outside, you know, what's already expected of the space. I think that's really interesting. I mean, some of my best followers on Twitter uh, company owners and they've got a very small following often you know less than sometimes less than a thousand but the thing that these guys are saying really resonates in terms of the growth of the industry and because it's non-trading related you then look on a bigger macro picture like you mentioned about paypal and the shock waves that is sending through the industry and you then realize like how bullish we actually are so yeah i mean i think that's great advice you can come into crypto and start as a trader but don't stay there you know kind of evolve develop and the kind of industry is so early on that you can end up running your own company with very little cost, you know, just through networking with the right people. And before you know it, you know, your company could be bought out in a year, two years from the likes of PayPal. You could have a successful mm -hmm. exit and, you know, kind of. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you made a good point there, right, about network. You know, the space is small, so it's not hard to, to, to know everyone. Hmm. You just need to work hard and be present for a couple of years and you'll know most people. Um, or if you don't know them, you'll want you'll want handshake away. Um, and people are very open mm -hmm. because everyone realizes the upside. So, yeah, I think, you know, I'd love to see more artists, um, more uh, and, and definitely... Um, more writers, more more content. Content was so big in 2017, 2018, and kind of died off, but I'd love to see more people creating content. Thought leadership, you know, let's push the boundaries and, and see what we can uh, come up with. I think that's, uh, that's, you know, it's a really good note to finish off on is like, you know, just kind of let's see where we where we go over the next few months and year. Um, it's been really great having you on, Charles. Kind of always great to hear your thoughts sure. and insights. Um, just before we go, in case anyone wants to get in touch or reach out to you, do you want to just give a shout out for your socials? Yeah, sure. Um, at Chat with Charles on Twitter, that's where you'll find me most of the time, most of the day, most of the night. Unfortunately, I'm not proud of it, but it's true. <laughs> um, and Telegram, uh, I'm at, I'm active on Telegram. I've recently started a you know like a little announcement room where I just brain dump it's not very valuable i won't lie to you but sometimes i post something interesting so um there's a link to that on my twitter it's pinned um but yeah chat with charles or charles j reed on telegram if you want to if you want to reach out to me i'm always open to talk to people um and offer advice i am very busy so i won't lie to you i might forget to get back <laughs> but if you're persistent i will listen i always say that to everyone um just be persistent if if i don't get back to you straight away and I'm always happy to, to offer some free advice or, you know, thinking. There you have it, guys. So, yeah, definitely worth a follow. Like I said, this man is ahead of the trend always. So, you know, it's pretty much free alpha leak if you want to follow him and just kind of see what paths he's, he's following. 
Um, Appreciate Charles, man, thank you so <laughs> much. <picking> me up. <laughs> Standard. Well, yeah, Charles, thank you so much for coming on. Um, hopefully, have you back on sometime next year once your rare stones up and running. Be really interesting yeah, to hear your insights and see how things are going. Absolutely, man. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. We hope you can get inspired from Charles' story and his advice. If you wish to get any more information, you can check out his socials in the links below. Finally, if you're interested in learning more about how to generate revenue streams in the crypto space, or if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of our podcast, then you can visit our website at www.blockchainenterprisespodcast.com.